Welcome back to More Freight, More Problems. I'm Cassandra Gaines. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the coronavirus. I know we're all tired of this topic already. However, it is going to have an impact on our industry. And you should follow my podcast because I am going to put out continuous and consistent content on the coronavirus. For this specific episode, we are going to talk about how to handle a situation where the shipment has arrived at the consignee, it's a full truckload shipment, and the consignee has rejected the shipment, citing to coronavirus contamination. This is a difficult situation, and this will be a difficult episode. So, there's no easy answer, guys and gals, except for I want you to remember this one thing. Customers, in order to file a cargo claim, they need to prove that the goods were arrived in damaged condition. Remember that if you remember anything with this entire episode. So I'm Cassandra Gaines. I am a transportation attorney, but my job is a risk consultant. Companies hire me, transportation providers, brokers, carriers, shippers, hire me to come in, identify their risks, identify where they're losing money, where they're putting out lots of fires, and close the gaps and teach everybody industry standards, best practices, operations, to prevent the risks moving forward. So this will be a risk that will constantly come up. I can see it already in the next year. We're going to have coronavirus fever. That's what I'm going to call it for now. So I've distilled all the information down to three steps I want you to take when you have a situation where a customer has called you and said that the freight is contaminated by coronavirus and they're rejecting the entire shipment. Full truckload. First, I want you to analyze the contracts. Second, I want you to negotiate quickly. And I want you to try to get the customer to pull back from his or her position on rejecting the freight. And then third step is going to be prevent the situation and protect yourself moving forward. So let's get into the details. Step one, I want you to quickly analyze the contracts when this happens. Customer calls you, rejecting the entire shipment. I want you to pull up the customer's contract if you're a carrier. I want you, if you're a broker, to pull up both the carrier and the customer's contract because they both come into play. First, I want you to know that if there is no contract with the customer, we are going to assume that the Carmack Amendment applies. And I put out material about the Carmack Amendment. That's a federal law that governs the liability of cargo claims. So we're going to assume that applies. If there are contracts, I want you to do a control find, type in cargo or claims, something like that, so that you can find the section that discusses the party's responsibilities. I want you to read through it the best you can. I know that these terms can be hard to read, so I want you to just do best you possibly can. Look for language that says the Carmack Amendment, which also is referred to as 49 USC 14706. Look to see if that applies, because then maybe my instructions in the next step is more, are most likely going to apply as well. Read through the rest of the terms to see if there's anything else operationally that should apply, and also from liability. For example, if you're a broker, did you agree to cargo liability here? Because you need to step up your game in this situation if you did. Um, it becomes even more important. I mean, it was important to begin with, but even more now. Um, I want you to look and compare the terms and the responsibilities in the customer contract to the ones you have in your carrier contract. So if there are any gaps, you might be responsible for those. 
I think there's another episode out that has to do with gaps in those two contracts that you can listen to for more details. Trying to keep this high level because this is a tough situation. So we've gone through, we've analyzed the contracts. If you see a provision called force majeure, M-A-J-E-U-R-E, just take your highlighter and highlight it because I'm going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. The force majeure clause was designed for the parties to have an, an out, a way out of the contract or their responsibilities if a unforeseeable act of like God happens. So if a big hurricane comes along, you didn't see it coming, there was no way you could avoid it, it surprised everybody, you couldn't deliver because of that situation, or your entire facility was demo- demolished, didn't see it coming, couldn't prevent it. That would apply and get you out of your responsibilities, maybe. Step two, I want you to move quick. I don't want you to let the situation sit. Your goal is, as a broker or a carrier, is to try to convince a customer not to reject the goods, to work together to come up with a resolution. Um, so first, I think you should bust some myths in order to encourage the customer to work with you. So for example, the customer might just simply say, the Carmack Amendment will support me rejecting the freight in this situation. Um, so let's say in this situation that they're talking about, they simply have a fear that the goods are going to be, that are they are contaminated with the coronavirus. But they don't, they haven't presented you with any evidence. Otherwise, the seal was intact, driver's healthy, nobody's touched the goods. I mean, everything's normal. Uh, a fear is not enough evidence, is not good. The Carmack Amendment will not support that claim. In fact, the customer might not even be able to make a claim under the Carmack Amendment with just a fear of contamination. It's to prove that there was a possibility of contamination. Perhaps the seal is broken uh, and the driver was walking around telling everyone that she was contaminated with the coronavirus and sneezing on things. I don't know, I'm just making this up in Cassandra's crazy world. And most of you know that this will happen. Um, but the customer has to give you evidence. They can't simply reject the freight, say the Carmack Amendment's going to help them, and walk away. So, the next myth I want you to bust is they're going to say something like maybe the Carmack Amendment allows me to reject this freight because I googled it and it says that they have an act of God defense. And this is an act of God. The coronavirus is an act of God. I reject this whole freight. Thank you, Carmack Amendment. No, no, that's so wrong. It's not even funny. And I know I'm going to hear that. That's why I'm bringing it up. And I've heard it in the past in a different context. Those five defenses to the Carmack Amendment that you can find when you Google the Carmack Amendment, they belong to the carrier, not to the customer. So don't get distracted. Let them know, let the customer know, you know, that act of God you saw in there. That's for the carrier. That's not for the customer. But then I quickly want you to go back to, let's get back to the, goods actually being damaged because even if those defenses were applicable which are not you haven't you customer you haven't actually submitted a valid claim to us for the goods being damaged um and you want you guys to focus on that so that that you're not getting distracted and going down a rabbit hole of arguing the Carmack amendment now we're going to pause oh my carriers i don't want you guys to think that the act of God is going to be applicable to all sorts of stuff. 
because of this coronavirus or anything else. Rules 5 defenses first apply only to cargo damage. Um, Carmack Amendment only applies to cargo damage, so not a no-show or, or significantly delayed freight or any other service issues. No, nah, we're only talking about cargo damage. So with the Carmack Amendment, those five defenses only belong to you, carrier, if you can first prove you were not negligent. Then you might be able to assert these defenses. So there's a lot of convoluted, don't, don't go all willy-nilly, balls to the wall with, with the act of God, Cassandra said defenses. No, 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 let's slow down. Also, to everyone who's listening, remember that contracts can change everything. That's why step one was look at the contracts. Because they can change the Carmack Amendment, they can throw loopholes, they can do contracts, change everything. That's why often I say I like I like my carriers and brokers not to have contracts. Not carriers, I like brokers not to have contracts with shippers. Sometimes it's better. Another myth to bust to get the customer to see the light and work with us on this rejected shipment. The carrier's insurance company will just pay for this freight. I'm just going to submit a claim, says the customer. Uh, nope. Hold on right there. Most insurance companies will not even provide coverage for claims related to viruses. Insurance companies are very savvy. They're very smart. And those of you who follow me, y'all, y'all know there are holes in, in insurance coverage. I mean, shoot, I can step right through some of them. So I, a lot of you are not going to be surprised by this, but insurance companies are savvy. So you most likely, even if the goods, the customer can prove that goods were contaminated by this driver walking around with a coronavirus and the seal's broken, the driver's in there laying all over the goods, um, insurance probably won't cover it. Um, but again, each policy is different, so that's just a general statement. The next myth to bust with your customer. I can reject this freight, says the customer, because the contract has a force majeure clause if they can even figure out how to say it right. Because that word is tongue twister. Well, nope, 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 nope. First, before I dive into force majeure and put you all to sleep, remember this one thing. If the customer wants to rely on the force majeure clause, that is going to be a huge uphill battle for the customer. They're going to have to spend a lot of money on uh, attorneys and um, just know that everything I'm about to tell you you could use knowledge is power uh, to bring the customer back to the point of we should negotiate, we should work together, we should all make this work. Number one, the force majeure clause. If you scan it in the contract and it doesn't say specifically disease, plague, epidemic, mm, it's an even more uphill battle for your customer. They've got to now pay a lawyer more money to prove that the terms of the force majeure clause actually apply here and are triggered. Like maybe it says act of God in the force majeure language. So the attorney is going to have to prove that coronavirus is an act of God. I don't know if we even know that yet. I mean, you can say it's a laboratory creation. Who knows? I'm just watching too many movies here. If the provision actually indeed does include coronavirus, let's say you signed the contract two weeks ago and that's savvy shipper flung in the coronavirus into the force majeure clause. Boom. And you see it, it says right there, coronavirus. Let's just say that it does. Next, I want you to focus on, well, customer, what what are you trying to get out of here using this force majeure clause? What performance do you want to get out of? Because it has to actually be linked to the coronavirus. You can't willy-nilly this. 
So are you, are you saying that the coronavirus is keeping you from paying my freight bill? I mean, good luck with that argument. Did the coronavirus get in the way of your bank account? You guys see where I'm going with this? Is the coronavirus keeping you from accepting the freight? Well, I don't even know if that's part of your obligation under this contract. It doesn't say anywhere shipper has to accept freight. In fact, it's not my job to make sure you accept the freight. That could be argued, but you guys see where I'm going with this. Their job is they pay you for your services. Um, so what are they trying to get out of here? That, that, my friends, pull the wool curtain aside and you'll see that. So if, you, if, if you're just waking up and you're like, oh God, she's still talking about force majeure and I just fell asleep, um, I want you to know this through the whatever I just started, ended up talking about. I want you to know that the force majeure is bigger than just the terms of the contract. There's laws that apply. Then there's other terms of the contract that add layers on top of it. Then there could be other laws that apply. So there's a huge, a lot of obstacles to go through, which means money, 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 money for lawyers. And not me anymore because I'm a consultant. Or I'd be like, yeah, litigate this stuff, guys. Um, so just know that. Make that point to your customer. Try to get your customer to negotiate. Now, step two was a lot of myth busting, a lot of getting to negotiate, and dealing with the situation right then and there, not waiting for the claim to, to surprise you. Step number three is I want you to protect yourself moving forward. Customers are going to be doing it. I want you to do it too. With contract negotiations, we often put, us as transportation providers, the force majeure clause, I, I scan it, I look for anything that looks wonky um, or that doesn't need, that shouldn't even be there, but I don't sit there and negotiate force majeure clauses with the customers because often my, custom, my clients lose the business if I do that. We have to pick our battles, right? Well, the force majeure provision is going to become very popular now. Um, and even, even though I don't even know if it really applies in the context that everybody thinks it will, but it's going to become very popular. So don't skim on by it, actually dig in, read it and decide whether you, how much you want to negotiate. Um, time for Cassandra to insert one opinion on this. Um, despite the fact that I argue that force majeure has a very limited situation where it even apply. If I see language in a shipper contract, customer contract, trying to push some virus contamination onto a carrier or broker and make them pay for cargo because of contamination that a shipper decided to purchase from somewhere else and and decided inbound, outbound, decided all the details, I, I think my head might explode if I see that provision. Because on one hand, I understand that the customer... Uh, is trying to protect themselves. They know that carriers and brokers aren't reading these contracts, they're not fully negotiating them, and they're just trying to protect their business. But at the end of the day, we're all family in this industry, like I said, and um, it is not fair uh, in this type of context that I'm talking about that transportation providers should be paying for cargo for contamination of a virus, of a product that the transportation provider had nothing to do with. That's between the customer and their supplier. Nothing to do with the transportation provider in this context. So I had to get that off my chest. Carriers, remember to exercise reasonable due diligence in trying to avoid, prevent, or minimize the impact of the coronavirus with your drivers, with your operations. Same with customers and your facilities and all your employees and brokers. Your job is to absorb everything I said in this podcast and execute.
I know that's hard, but we are experts in service and bringing parties together and protecting both the carriers and the customers. That's, that's what we do as brokers. It's not a contractual legal obligation that we do, but that is our benefits. So remember that. There, This is a lot. This was a very intense episode. Follow me on this podcast and I'll put out more. I've got YouTube. I've got LinkedIn. Um, I try to put out as much free content as I possibly can to help everybody in the industry. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions and I'll try my free time to help you guys. Take care.